Welcome back to Old Taku No Radio. Uh, my name is Jared, and with me, as always, is the Poet Laureate of AnyGamers.com, Chief Booze Correspondent, Inc. Say hello, Inc. Hello, Inc. <laughs> and today we are here to talk about the really the most screwed up thing I've seen in a really long time. Uh, the 2004 movie Dead Leaves by Production IG, but really sort of kind of Trigger before there was Trigger. Uh, <laughs> Inc., do your best to explain this crazy movie. Okay, so basically you start with these two characters. There's Pandy and there's Retro. The latter has a television for a head. Uh, they wake up naked on Earth without knowing what happened. They have dum 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 amnesia um so what's of course the first thing that they do they go on a crime spree to get them themselves some food some clothing and transportation in downtown tokyo right after that and not for lack of trying they're captured by authorities and sent to the lunar prison known as dead leaves from there it's a non-stop story of trying to figure out their past while trying to escape from a prison overflowing with killer robots genetically modified mutant clones and a gang of gun-toting goons that was actually pretty damn good <laughs> It's a straightforward thing, I mean, until the very end. It's very straightforward in in how just fucking weird it is. <laughs> I mean, like um so let's let's immediately let's immediately like if you've not seen Dead Leaves and 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 you're expecting this to be an anime, whatever that means to you. Oh, this is definitely an anime. It's an anime, but it's not going to look like an anime that you're used to seeing unless you've seen some of the things that Studio Trigger's done, and then it looks a bit like that, but almost like a, a Bronze Age version of it. The aesthetic of, of this, we've come to know it and love it kind of as Trigger and the people who are behind Studio Trigger um, have have refined their craft and gotten better at telling stories visually. Um this is very much artistically um, right in that lineage because so many of the people like Hiroyuki Imaishi and Yo Yoshinari and Shin Itagaki and you know have play key production roles in uh, this movie. You've also got Takashi Koike of Redline fame in there, mm -hmm. you know, doing doing some key animation and boy, it shows. He actually ended up doing the entire. Uh, last 11 minutes of this movie just by himself. And it looks just like it, too. I mean, it's it's really um, visually, I think, a very striking uh, production. Oh, actually, I'm sorry, I screwed that up. Uh, Yasunori Miyazawa did the last, uh, the final 11 minutes. Oh, really? But, yeah, he, wor he, he worked a lot with uh, Masaki Iwasa. He was on uh, Ping Pong and Tatami Galaxy and uh, did some work on uh, Ray Hiroi's Black Lagoon uh, with Roberta's Blood Trail. You know, it like, really that, – that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Like, yeah, because that caterpillar thing looks so yeah. Iwasa. This, like, the, yeah, yeah. Like there's definitely parts of this, of this movie where I was thinking, this is something Iwasa would do. <laughs> You know, like, um, but that's interesting. And this, it's worth mentioning. I mean, you, you said this is from, you know, Imaishi, the, the current, the current co-founder of Trigger and former Gynax, uh, employee, but this is actually yeah. his directorial debut. So this is, this is the first time he had his hands on everything. Yeah. And man, it shows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, director, character design, animation director, and key animation. And then, um. Shinny Tagaki did some key animation. Koike did some key animation. You know, Yo Yoshinari, he's involved in this somehow. Yo Yoshinari is. Yeah, key animation. Sushio, key animation. Oh, well, you know how. It's in that opening scene before the, uh, before the credit sequence. Koike and Yoshinari doing that entire sequence. They said it was like the most draining 
thing. They, it took the most time and the most effort to get that opening sequence done, and then the whole movie followed suit in like a year. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, that opening scene is fantastic. And you mentioned Redline before. Before we get into anything else, I'm just gonna say, so many people hate on this little OVA, and it is is it's it's a fantastic piece of work. Uh, and if you like Redline, and if you like uh, Kill a Kill specifically, if you like either of those things. There's no reason to hate on this thing. At least visually. No, 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 At least visually. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> because what, okay, yeah. What, no, what that, this, there I can agree. Yeah. Now what, what this is is like sort of an artist showcase. The yeah. concept is supposed to be just really American action, straightforward, and not really meant to be anything to really look into or with that much symbolism. It's just a big dumb stupid story told loud and brightly. With hyper levels of violence, oh, <laughs> like astonishing levels of violence. Um, but yeah, it's there are so many elemental design and aesthetic choices that you see in Dead Leaves that you will see again in in various ways. You, you know, the car the car scene there at the beginning feels feels very redline. Um, the police that are chasing them. In their in their little police cars, if you look closely, the the lights are stylized in such a way that it looks just like like over justice, <laughs> like mm -hmm. his, his glasses and stuff. I was gonna say even like uh, Inferno Cop. Yeah, very evocative of, of Inferno Cop and uh, Luluco and uh, and the lineup of goons. Uh, the lineup the, of goons. The, like the, the the ten to twenty person line, all doing the exact same movement at the exact same time. Yeah, and. Um, the use of very comic U.S. comic book kind of visual sound effects, onomatopoeia words, you know, mm. uh, kind of all throughout and in some fairly stylized ways. So, I mean, so much of what these creators went on to do later, you can see kind of the, the, the embryonic kind of stage of that um, with Dead Leaves. And uh, it's visually, I think it's a very interesting film to study. Especially if you like Koike and you like Trigger and you want to see kind of early, they're still trying to become the creators they are today kind of stuff. I think this is a great, great way to to do that. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think you even have to frame it like that because this is just. I mean, it's raw, but the rawness fits it because this is just you know nonstop action for 50 minutes or maybe 45 minutes. There's little interludes where people talk. <laughs> yeah, something something like this. If it was so pol, if it was like way more polished, you could see this almost being the kind of plot that you would get in like a 1980s era sci-fi anime. Um, but it's executed in this kind of punk rock rough way that you know we've kind of come to know and love in in some of these folks' future creations. It's really it's really unique, um, I think, especially for its time. Like, I I wonder, you know, this was during the the dark period where I was I was out of the fandom entirely uh, when this came out. Yeah, come to think of it, this is because we're we're not recording this in sequence of the other episodes, but this yeah. is we we watched this right after the uh, Reader Die OVA, and mm -hmm. this is the second one in a row where it's not supposed to be anything you're supposed to think about, and it was just supposed to be a good fun action flick. Mm -hmm. And I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, but like, you know, like I kind of experiencing it the first time, you know, it's, um, you know, I think, I think the, for the visuals, definitely I'd want to go back and revisit it. There's a lot about it that I don't like that I'm not a fan of, but um, we can get a bit more into that later. But visually, I, I mean, it's, it's very, very interesting. And I, I, I wish I could see more. Or I wish I I wish I could go kind of go back in time and see more of what the reaction was to this, both in Japan uh, and and in uh, North America, because I kind of feel like people might have saw this and gone, "What in the name of God is this?" You know. On the uh, the manga entertainment disc, uh, and this is actually the second manga entertainment thing we did too. <laughs> uh, the uh, the there's uh, a the extras are amazing 
there's not only director and creator and um, artist commentary on the DVD, but there's uh, you know multiple film showing introductions and even a drinking game <laughs> with the cast. Which that could result in alcohol poisoning pretty quickly, depending on the rules. <laughs> it was it was a game of dare to like tell production secrets, uh, <laughs> and it was amazingly hilarious. And one of the com the commentary is actually done at a bar while after heavy drinking. So oh my god! Or supposedly, you know, you don't see them drinking, but I'll take their word. Yeah, I'll take their word for it. <laughs> but uh, there's. Uh, there's a point where they, they're introducing this to the audience and they're just like, you know, this is the best thing to experience drunk and don't think too much. <laughs> and just, you know, when you feel like it, get up and dance. And I think that's kind of perfect. That's why I love this so much. It's just so high energy, mindless action. And yeah. you don't, like you said, you don't get that much anymore. Except from Trigger. Well, yeah. And, and yeah. even their, their efforts now are much more controlled than this. Yeah, they've kind of learned how to harness the chaos, um, you know, going on on screen, um, in in their later projects. Um, I couldn't help but think of Luluco as I was watching this because it's sort of, it's sort of in that same wheelhouse of of craziness. But this is almost like, it's almost like their teenage garage band version, <laughs> you know. Of the same kind of stuff they'd go on to do and, and have a lot of polish doing. Uh, well, it's, it's actually funny you say it like that because the Imaishi, when he was questioned, he said, you know, he wanted to have a sort of uh, a grade school mindset to as to who would appreciate this. And this this actually got a PG rating when it was released over there. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. I'm, I'm guessing violence has a much higher tolerance over there. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe they saw it. It went, oh, this looks like an American cartoon. We'll just slap PG on it and call it a day. I, I don't know how that could have happened, seeing the content of that of that film. Um, you know, like aesthetically, it does have sort of a – I guess you could make an argument that it has sort of a Adult Swim kind of look to it. But but I, I think – I don't know. Like maybe it's just sort of the the vibe it gives off. It almost reminded me more of like a 90s – Something you'd see on MTV in the 90s when they had cartoons and stuff. Yeah, like Aeon Flux and the Max. And... Yeah, like this was, I mean, you know, like MTV, pull up a chair, kids, because Grandpa Jared's <laughs> going to explain how in the 90s, MTV was kind of, for the animation fan, the home of some of the neatest and weirdest shit you would ever watch. Dude, do you remember the head? Yeah, <laughs> the head man. MTV's the oddities, man. That's where they were. That's where it was at. Yeah, yeah. It was it was like the island of misfit animation, basically, um, for a good long while. And then um, time changed, and and now they just do reality TV. But um, it it gave me for whatever reason, and I it probably has more to do with me and just my life experience than than the movie but it it just gave me that it gave off that vibe to me and i was like wow this is i would totally expect to see something like this like after aeon flux one night you know <laughs> on a saturday night at 2 30 in the morning <laughs> you know oh yeah i'd, I'd want to say you know adding on to the animation like i want to note that hey this is all traditional animation there was no computers used and that's you know again makes it a sort of akin to redline because redline all hand-drawn animation a lot more polished than this, but that's okay because you know you know this sort of the punk rock aesthetic to it. It's because it was specifically colored to look like an American action comic book. Uh, yeah. The, the color setter, who I just actually had the the, uh, the wonderful opportunity to meet at Anime Next, uh, 2017, she she had said like that was the direction given to her in terms of uh, color palette. Mm -hmm. uh, she also relayed that this was the the, the director is just told to sort of go nuts with it. <laughs> and <laughs> telling think, my sheet to go nuts <laughs> right you know hindsight that that seems like a you know a beautiful thing to do back then they were taking a chance yeah like i think the impact of this now is so different because now this is like a kind of a normal thing i mean you've got you've got one vein of of anime styling that's very wild and crazy and chaotic and you know, madness, you know, like, but it's super creative. 
according to Imaishi, he wanted it to be free in the old de- as in the old days of animation uh, in terms of sound, looks, and drama. And and he certainly achieved that. I think it's you know it has this this rapid fire pace. You've mentioned a, a couple times, and um, you know one of the things you see pretty quickly as you transition from one action set piece to the next, to the next, to the next, with very little like stopping for exposition in between, you you really see Imaishi starting to apply some of the ideas that you know for pacing and action that you know he's kind of famous for now. I think it's a great study in, in, a, in a time capsule kind of sense. Uh, there's some, you know, odd plot kind of things. I mean, there, uh, there's not really that much of a plot. Like, if you've never seen this comparatively to, like, Trigger stuff or, or Redline or anything Koike's worked on, but mostly Trigger stuff, it, like, it, it, it has even less of a plot that makes sense than, like, actual Trigger stuff. You know, like like actual trigger stuff looks like solid and coherent with like plot through lines and stuff in it compared to this. This is kind of kind of just, hey, let's just have a bunch of action scenes and we'll we'll string them together just kind of however. I mean, how this came together was just uh, manga entertainment petitioning Imai Tunes for a concept uh, for an original video production. And then they tapped Imaishi as the director and said, okay, what can you guys do with us? <laughs> so, you know, in, in the vein of, you know, Cowboy Bebop stemming from, hey, give us a show about spaceships. Yeah. That you get this little piece. And, you know, it's it's definitely not as intricately done as Cowboy Bebop, but it's its own very simplistic, beautiful thing because of that. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you want an expression of grade school morality and, uh, like, this sort of, uh, futuristic fairy tale gone awry and violent. Um, y- you got it right here. <laughs> yep. I mean, this is um, man. <laughs> that, I mean, that 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 pretty much sums it up. There's not a lot of plot stuff. You know, we love to go over plot stuff here on ONR, and not a whole lot of that to do this time. In terms of my enjoyment of this, hold on, hold on, hold that thought, because we we can totally talk story structure because. Uh, it's all, it, it's a, it comes, it's a story that comes full circle in a way, and it it is a fairy tale. Are we are we about to get into spoilers? Should we just flag ourselves for getting into spoilers here? I mean, it's been out since two thousand and four, but yeah. Sure. I, well, you know, I I saw it yesterday. Okay. True. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I, no, no, not necessarily spoilers yet, but the um, you know, it's 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 a show that comes full circle in a way. It's is a fairy tale, so it follows certain a certain narrative construction, and it does employ flashbacks. You know, so how do you think those fit into the story? Were they worked in well? I mean, because this is just a straightforward action flick, but they managed to insert these different scenes and have a very specific structure to follow. Okay, so here's here's where I get into the more negative part of of my analysis of this show. So. I know that I'm not enjoying a show when I when I keep looking at how long it's gone on, you know. No. And part of that, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna justify it in a, in a second, but um, the story part of this did not work for me at all. Um, I just I didn't enjoy that very much. the The enjoyment I got from Dead Leaves was totally uh, animation focused and animation related, and I love the color tone and the design uh aesthetic of of everything um but the the plot and the the story itself really fell flat for me i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that i've seen these guys do it so much better before this and you know i have to and i'm I'm, i i I, I get it you know like i'm i'm kind of trying to grade on a curve here and be Understanding that this is that this is what immediately I, I have it as a quote in in our show notes for some stupid reason I don't know why but but it's it's to me this is a pretty crappy movie by a really really talented group of creators and it's definitely got flashes of that later trigger brilliance but it 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 just isn't ready for prom time I think on on the whole if I had seen this in two thousand and four 
and I might have even just walked by an ad for it for all I know because I was in Japan at the time then. But if I had seen this then, I wonder if I would have the same reaction because I think from what I had seen from back then, I had I would have never seen anything like this uh, at that point in my viewing uh, life. So I I would be interested what 2004 me would think of it, but 2017 me was just not feeling it and. Uh, Great visuals, but otherwise, meh. See, I can I can totally you know go along with you on plot because this isn't something that really hinges on plot. Like you said, it's just sort of about immersing yourself in the animation, and the the plot itself is just a vehicle to be able to animate things wildly for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what I really loved, and what you know, you mentioned like looking, you know, wondering what time it is every five minutes or whatever. Um, and I I I do the same thing when I'm just hysterically bored with whatever I have to watch. But in this one, I couldn't look at a clock. And this is like the fifth or sixth time I've seen this. Uh, because there's just always some little effect or thing going on. And, you know, I forget things fairly easy. So I really couldn't remember, oh, what exactly is going to happen next? And there's always so many things happening on screen. Like, I was just like, okay, well, this is going on over here, and you have this going on over here, and oh my god, that tank just shot its cannon into the floor to, you know, somersault itself to, you know, get right on track again, and it's 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 an amazing visual feast that just sort of propels you for 50 minutes, and I, I didn't have time to look at a clock. I was just too busy to look at all the neat shit going on the screen. <laughs> and, you know, I hear you. And that, that actually is, uh, it, was, it was in the commentary on the DVD, uh, Imaishi uh, said he owed a lot of what he wanted visually, like a lot of stuff going on simultaneously to Osamu Tezuki. Tezuka? For uh, Tezuki, T-E-Z-A-K-I, for his use of controlling separate elements uh, within a a single shot. Hmm. I thought that was kind of cool. And you, you really do notice it. If you stop and watch to see how many things are moving in any given scene, like, the whole screen is alive with this, you know, bright writhing. No, that's true. I didn't know we had more than one Osamu in, like, anime. Wow. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that that is absolutely true. There is, visually, there is not a second where there isn't something going on, and usually it's going on at a staccato pace. You know, for me, I just felt like, ah, okay, it's, 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 it's trigger stuff, but it's it's not, you know, I've seen it before. But yeah, I I I totally, I mean, visually, I I totally think this is a, a an interesting film to watch from that standpoint. Like definitely. Mm. I I would want to speak to your thing that the, there's almost no scenes where there's uh, nothing going on. That there are a couple where uh, uh, a woman is you know looking out into space, and uh, I, I think with that we'll go into the spoiler section because if if you don't already know like this is this is a visual feast there's nothing plot wise <laughs> really to invest yourself yeah. in here um so we're just going to get into what happens and who people are and come to right. be and neat shit that goes on yeah <laughs> if you haven't seen it go watch it for the visuals and probably nothing else although maybe you like it i, I don't know it's 50 minutes long what do you got to yeah do? you don't you don't lose anything here um all right, spoilers. Um, so the 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 flashes to the woman looking out at the stars that turns out to be Pandy's sister. Yeah, her younger sister. Yeah, or something because or mother because he or, or mother or like he. So so this woman calls Pandy like Onesan, right? Like older sister, but then apparently. The younger sister's dad was her papa was like Pandy's former lover apparently maybe the warden of the old the old warden of the prison and so I don't know like contextually there it might be it might be like and I think even retro like con- tries to confirm this that like it's Pandy's ex-boyfriend's daughter <laughs> but yeah. not necessarily Pandy's daughter <laughs> And, and what, what I like to think of is because they've already established there's a bunch of clones yeah. out there. Obviously, her dad cloned her, 
her daughter, well, her, yeah. and then, you know, had the younger sister with that clone, so it's not technically... Yeah, yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> Everybody's a clone, there have been a bajillion clones, and, um, yeah, just to muddy the waters a little further, you're absolutely right, though, that's, that's entirely possible. So, and that's, you know what, one of the things I hated was, like, how, like, throwaway that ended up being, like... Oh, yeah. Like, all that, all that shit, all that build-up for, like... A, a, a neat fight that basically just kind of ends, and there's no – it transitions into the next big set piece, which is the giant caterpillar of the stars. And you know, it's kind of like, okay, right. <laughs> Not exactly a nice you know, definitive kind of denouement there. <laughs> We're just going to go straight to the other thing. Well, if you want to, if you want to carry through on the, the the fairy tale that's woven, you know, all throughout of the caterpillar looking up to the sky and the ants, you know, saying, "Hey, if you crane your neck too long, you're you're gonna, it's gonna grow too long, right? Or whatever." But you know, they they insert the fairy tale at the beginning for that reason because the the two are, you know, in essence, children and growing and just looking up. And then you go a little further on, and that Pandy's younger sister is now the one who's going to be that caterpillar. And for whatever reason, jumps from. Yeah, we don't know why. Um, yeah, but you you do see her as a young child at first, and then she's this you know same same age as Pandy or eight years younger because Pandy's been eight years frozen or whatever. Uh, so now they're the same you know age, and she has to you know molt her, uh, or she has to molt her cracker skin and spread her you know butterfly wings. So she's got to become the caterpillar. She does, and then. That's what inevitably happens in that final action scene, which just ends up this huge bomb. Yeah. <laughs> but so there's a there's a reason for it. It's just I, you know, it's it's not. It's not very well it's executed. It's not really effective. Yeah. No. It's really not. Um, the so we should probably also talk about the baby. Oh, gotta talk we got the baby. The, awesome. the baby. The baby is neat and it's really weird. Um, so. Baby's gonna be baby's gonna be our uh, uh, our profile uh, bearer. <laughs> oh my god! Um, so Retro and Pandy um, end up having sex somehow through their body stockings that they kind of just stay in. Well, they're, they're like cocoons. They're, yeah, they're kind so of. If you want to carry cocoons. through the, the, the thing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But they they have little holes for the poop. They have little holes for the poop hole, which apparently that's how they make a baby in this in this clone universe is through the poop hole. Um, there there's there's a there's a gym to cut out for. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, so because of their incredibly proficient um, act of coitus, um, they not only conceive this child. Right away. Well, they have a they have a mutation gene, so you know that affects the baby's yes. conception and development. Yes. And the mutation that. gene is sort of their MacGuffin to explain like a lot of things. Anything. Basically. Um, <laughs> but because they were so great at sex, they actually recruit an entire like army of of convicts to um, to basically be their their yakuza clan, and that that is literally why. They they get this this mob of of prisoners and 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 like oh oh yeah also no Jared it's because their love was so inspiring it that's one way to put it yeah um, so they they have this amazing you know poop hole sex and then they like because they had amazing poop hole sex for whatever fucking reason they're <laughs> able to get out of their cocoon straitjacket things it's the power of love it must be. Um, and then that somehow enables them to, you know, start this prison break, which really kind of starts the, the kind of the second act, I guess, of, of everything. Well, we, we should mention, like, even though these two have amnesia, they, their former memories come back to them piecemeal and sort of when they need to. So it's very ghost of the machine. Yeah. And they, and they totally remember how to do things that they don't know why they know how to remember to do them. Or they don't know why they remember where certain things are in the prison, but they do. Yeah. And I, I like that they keep that consistent and it's never actually fully explained. It's sort of like, Oh, well we're CIA operatives. Oh, well we were former prisoners. Oh, well you know, yeah. one of the above. 
we were assassins. Who knows? Like, and I, you know, like you're really, you never really, a hundred percent know what the truth might be. And and I like that. I think that was kind of cool. Um, in you know, kind of to your point, that that was one thing they actually executed well is they didn't really dwell on the the what their past really was kind of thing beyond what needed to happen to move the story along. Um, so that was actually a wise choice. Of course, because if they actually did nail it down, then they'd be held accountable for the rest of the movie. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, not as much stuff could happen. Yeah, and the whole idea here is that there there are no rules in this movie, or in the prison, or any or any anything regarding dead leads. I did I did want to ask you since you brought up the uh, the sex scene at the at the beginning because Pandy's like a really cool female character here. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just this absolute badass uh she's kind of round personality wise she's not like stereotypical one one emotion uh person Mm -hmm. and that sex scene comes about because retro is literally rolling about a padded room going insane you know going (laughs) literally that i love how long that scene lasts too where it's like a, a three minute cut of him just rolling around the room uh but then he just starts sort of getting all up on her while she's laying on a bench and then the sex happens but it's not entirely forced it's like her just going yeah okay yeah it's kind of a it's a queasy point because it's like it seems rapey yeah it seems very rapey but then like she has the exclamation point on her face and you know meaning like she wants to mm-hmm. uh, you know they, they both seem very happy after yeah she she sort of you know, I mean, I wouldn't call it rapey per se. Is she's just sort of, especially like when you like her character's kind of very low key with how she reacts to things, except for that one scene. Um, but you know, she's she she's like, yeah, okay, why not? And and then they have this like transcendental sex with hearts literally filling the hallways of the prison, yeah, into other inmates' ears, In, inspiring inspiring other sex acts in other prisoners uh including uh our favorite supporting character who is basically just uh drill penis is his name dick drill yeah yeah chinko drill yeah yeah he's that's that's literally it and he has like this gurin lagan freaking drill for a penis and it's um and he uses it and it's really weird and um yeah and if you notice, okay. it actually changes size on how excited he is. Yes, and <laughs> leaks out stuff, you know. Lubricating um, fluid for a drill. It works. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> right out of the tip, you know. I mean, like like elementary school humor for sure. Like this is <laughs> this is exactly the level of stuff. Like if you're if you're a eight-year-old kid you think this kind of shit's hilarious and it actually kind of works like it there <laughs> visually there's some very funny gags and you know i i chuckled a few times throughout the throughout the show but yeah like i didn't really know what to expect watching this thing and and i i'm kind of like well ah, yeah whatever you know kind of as i'm watching it but like visually it's it's hilarious uh in a lot of in a lot of spaces but you were going to go talk about the baby before I derailed you with the sex scene. Yeah, you totally did. Um, the baby. The baby's really weird, man. Totally awesome. The baby is... Uh, so So in the span of like 20 minutes, the baby is conceived, born, grown up, and then old. <laughs> and you hardly even notice it. As the yeah, like, like every time you cut over to the baby doing something, basically, the baby has reached another stage of life. To which even like the characters... Like retro, I think, is the one that like that baby was born and old like all at the same in the, in the same day and died in the same day. Because so what happens at the end is is the old baby who has like speakers for ears and and like twin like nine millimeters and no gun in dead leaves ever runs out of bullets like none of them. No, you're lo- they, they, There's one scene where one goes empty on retro. I think it's during the hallway scene. Oh, okay. Unless there's plot reasons. Um, like no god, nobody's gun ever goes empty. Um, they have like unlimited ammo cheat codes or something. I don't know. And it's 
actually great. There's one scene where Retro is fighting one of the giant robots that appears in here, mm-hmm. and uh, both of them are. Oh, actually, no, it's a bounty hunter, I think. And they're they're going face to face while Retro. Oh, attached and they're to just the... all daka 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 like at each other. Yeah, but it's great because that was actually a recreation of a Hot Shots thing. Uh, where uh, they were they were mocking the the Rambo like rampage, uh, and they were you know they just had the two they showed one character shooting and then the other character shooting and then they brought the two together sort of like um, it was an old police uh, comedy, but eventually they they you know through by switching back and forth the individual perspectives and then showing them right together it turns out they're standing like right in front of each other and just shooting mm-hmm. themselves full of lead. Yeah, and they're 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 standing upon this mountain of bullet shells, and that was the uh, that was the Rambo Hot Shots thing. Was it like specifically an homage to Hot Shots? Because that would be amazing it if was. they like actually literally did that. That's incredible. It's it's in it's in the commentary on the disc. That's that's amazing. That's amazing because like that's entirely true. Now that I'm thinking about it that way. Anyway, baby, the baby ends up becoming really old and then like gets absorbed into the giant death caterpillar. Yeah, I'm not explaining why there's a caterpillar. You know, it's the fairy tale and all that shit. But, uh, you know, the the baby gets absorbed, or really it's an old man now, but baby old man gets absorbed into the caterpillar, and his mutation gene, because he's, like, born with the mutation gene, it's, like, super powerful. So he, he kind of takes over the mutation genes of... The, the the sister who was the warden and the two the two like main goons uh, and they become uh, a butterfly at the end of it and it's a really cool scene where that that butterfly bursts out of the the caterpillar. See, I thought those wings looked really hokey. It was the only shot in the entire show that I thought like, wow, that's actually pretty stupid looking. I, I like the pop of color, like when you've got the big kind of black and white caterpillar and. Hmm. It was it also it was almost like a burst of energy that resembled a butterfly. Then it was like an actual butterfly, is the way it looked anyway. Hmm. I liked more the oscillating orbs of those uh, the eaten mutation genes as yeah. the, as the caterpillars are sort of rearing up with its black and white selves, and you get these. You know, I think it's red, blue, mm-hmm. of course, red, uh, blue, and yellow. yellow I think yeah. yeah, and these are all like oscillating in terms of uh, diameter. And that was a very Yuasa esque looking shot. Like totally. Very much so. Yeah. Then it explodes. Yeah. Yeah. The the main characters are pretty are, are pretty interesting characters. Um I do think you could make a case for um Pandy being something of a I don't know if, if a feminist hero would be the right the right thing, but she's she's definitely She's one of them strong female characters. <laughs> yeah, she's she's definitely a femme fatale badass, like no no kidding. Um you know, and she she has um what would you say her like weakness is? If she's if she's going to be put in terms of like a like a tragic hero? Cuz she 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 is in one day warrior, mother, and empty nester. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ultimately she like loses her child. Um, yeah. So, like, what would you say her weakness would be if she has one? She feels sort of, you know, both her and, and Retro, but but definitely her, because Retro almost feels like an accessory at points in the in the movie. But um, Pandy, I think, you know, is sort of chained to her fate, and it's sort of inevitable, and she can't escape it, especially in the way that the movie ends, and they're sort of full circle back in the cryo sleep. And um, they're they're kind of right back to where they started, you know. So who knows what happens the next time they wake up, you know? Maybe maybe this is some you know circular repeating cycle that just happens over and over and over. And maybe that's why the moon's barely there anymore. And you know, like like who knows? I would love to see another Dead Leaves where they finally just take another chunk out of the moon and they do the whole thing again. <laughs> just keep this coming back. It's going to be like Dead Leaves number 458. You know, it would be it would be really it would be really interesting to see kind of a a, a sequel to this, you know, done, you know, maybe by Trigger, I guess, to see I mean they couldn't because probably production IG owns the rights, but it would it would be interesting to see them with all they've learned Sort of like Gendy Tartakovsky with Samurai Jack, you know, coming back after a while and then doing another one and seeing, you know, how much more 
adept they would be at telling the kind of story they want to tell. But you know, for them, this is probably like, you know, and I don't know because you know those folks go to Anime Next all the time. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to ask them. But I stupidly have never asked them about it because I, honestly, like this was the first time I watched it while looking up who was actually involved. Mm-hmm. And because I like I met I met the color setter who's made that was one of her main credits uh, at Anime Next, and uh, I didn't even think to look up like oh well who else worked on it because I I remembered <laughs> seeing it and enjoying it but yeah. I remember it looking cool but never like associating it with anybody. And it's like literally all of the people that <laughs> all of the main people at Studio Trigger. <laughs> it's it's Proto Trigger. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. And that opening animation specifically, um, you know, you, you can you can see like Proto Kill a Kill there. Oh my Very God! Easy. Yes. Um, oh yeah. Well, even the two sisters fighting, like that's a with big mm. like sword stuff. I mean, like there's so much. Like there's so much. Like if you look at Dead Leaves from the perspective of ideas rolling around in these guys' heads that maybe aren't quite fully formed yet you can see so much of their future projects uh in in this in this movie i mean so many so wait which did you watch sub or dub oh sub oh because the dub is fantastic like they're both good they're both really good and actually the 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 woman who voices pandy uh mm-hmm. dubbed buffy uh the vampire slayer uh, <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> in japan and i kind of want to see that now too <laughs> yeah especially if he uses that same kind of like low, like tough girl voice, you know. Exactly, I'd love to see that. And and for all the, because I I don't think the writing gets enough credit in this, and I think that it was written really well because they don't, like you said, they don't over explain, they don't explain plot while they're going through this. Mm-hmm. And when I was listening to the commentary and they're ter- talking about certain scenes and they're pointing out how, uh, not not talking but showing really lent a lot to the progression of the story, and I have to agree. Just certain elements that I really wish I remembered the ones they pointed out, but they all go on visually. The only real talking points are, oh, well, you know, this is how you were conceived with this mutation gene and sort of info dumps as to that. But as to character motivation and emotional states, that's all conveyed via show, don't tell. Like, mm-hmm. The animation pa- paid to faces and expressions and reactions and even like not reacting to certain cues. Yeah, you know that that those all were meant to evoke uh, certain emotions being felt by the characters. And you know, I was like, oh, okay, this is this is actually really competently told. It's just it has nowhere to go. <laughs> oh, whoa. Okay, so I'm I'm looking at the the voice acting credits for uh, Takako Honda. And interesting, some interesting credits here. Uh, she is Hone Ona uh, in uh, Hellgirl. Hmm. So that's interesting. She was Juliet in Kickheart, which, yeah, nice. now that I'm thinking about it. Oh, yeah, a lot of people actually had involvement with Kickheart in this, uh, from this, uh, ser- this uh, movie, too. Makes sense. <laughs> Makes sense. Um yeah, like it's pretty. I mean, she's she's been in a ton of stuff, a ton of stuff. But yeah, those are just some of the the more interesting uh, roles in there. And then of course, uh, Retro is the the famed voice actor Kape Yamaguchi, who most people, if they know Kape Yamaguchi, they will know him as L from Death Note. But he's been in you know a billion other things. But uh, yeah, it was really interesting to hear him in this kind of role because, man, that's really different. Oh yeah, he's Detective Conan. Probably a lot of people would know him as that too. Some pretty uh, prolific voice actors there, in your main as your main cast. And their their work is actually all like really solid all throughout. There's there's a ton of prisoners, and as as visually distinct as they all are, because they all have different designs to save the like the henchmen. They were told to improvise a lot. Uh, and what I found funny was the same thing went for the American rewrite of it. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So the they were they told the Americans they're like no 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 just ad lib as much as you want. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it's it's not like they didn't follow the same script. It actually follows really closely. But in the dub there are certain lines that tweak some of the mo- more overt statements, and makes it even more like just under the level. And I was like, ooh. Yeah, this was the time of good dubs. 
Yeah, well, now I kind of want to check out the dub. Yeah, it's the 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 voice actors, the Japanese version, like you know, yeah, the the acting is actually really really solid. Um, you know, uh, I, I was sold on Pandy. I was sold on Retro. Their characters are very interesting. You know, Retro has this TV for a head, and that's kind of random and neat and crazy. I, of course, I, I read Saga, the the great uh, comic book from Image Comics, and um, I know I'm, I'm mixing uh, fandoms here. Sorry. But, um, of course, as, as soon as I see Retro, I in- immediately think of the race of television head people from Saga. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, it was it was really neat. And, I mean, if you look at, like, Pandy's character design, I think you see a lot of proto-trigger, you know, I don't want to say tropes, but proto-trigger kind of stylings. You know, you could you could drop Pandy in pretty much any trigger production and she'd she'd fit right in. Like she'd look like she belonged there. Little Witch Academia. She'd probably be a teacher. <laughs> I would love to see that cameo. Oh that my would God. be that would be that would be like really amazing. Um What what I actually really liked about her character design and totally honest here is like she is running around in literally like a prison uniform top and a pair of panties for, I think, 90% of the movie. Yeah. And it's not pandering at any point. It's just, oh, she's you know, in her underwear, whatever. It's never glorified. It's never held on a shot, uh, even though there are other characters like drooling over it for comedic effect at a like, couple points. Mm-hmm. Um, so it needless, needlessly draws attention to it in that aspect, but the camera work isn't like trained on her. Uh, it's it's all just part of her character design. That's cool. Mm, yeah, no, that is, and you know, again, a lot of the camera angles and camera work, very, if you're familiar with Trigger stuff, very reminiscent of you know the kind of thing that you would see from them uh, in in future releases. What else have we got to say about this ink? <laughs> oh, soundtrack. Oh yeah, yeah. The music's yeah, fun. I forgot the dude's first name, but uh, Ike. Yoshihiro Ike. There you go. Yeah. Yoshihiro Ike just, uh, just makes a great, varied soundtrack. It's, uh, it's digital, it's uh, orchestral, it's uh, hip-hop at one point, and there's just a, a great tempo and mix, and it synchronizes with a lot of the action almost all the way through. And even when it doesn't synchronize directly, it's actually synchronized off-step by just like a half a beat for effect. Yeah, this guy's done a whole lot of music for a whole lot of shows I love. Oh, really? Like what? So Tiger and Bunny, uh, Rage of Bahamut, and Rage of Bahamut Virgin Soul, the sequel. Um, uh, Kuroko's Basketball did the music for that. That's really cool. Did the music for Gantz, or Gantz Zero specifically. Did the music for uh, the Great Passage, which is so good, um, and somebody I know still needs to watch that. Um, I'm waiting for that second paywall to come down, man. <laughs> I got a job now, so it, it you know, it, you're I, gonna I start can... pounding on it like the Berlin Wall in '89. <laughs> Make it come down. Love you for that reference. Um, Ergo Proxy. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that was him. Blood the Last Vampire, the the original Blood the Last Vampire, I believe. That's Cobra, a lot of great stuff. The animation, yeah, I mean like some solid stuff. Also, Comic Party Revolution. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> sometimes you got to eat too. Uh, yeah, you know, you, you the art picture, the money picture, the art picture, the money picture. Did any of the, did um, any of the music or how it stuck to the the animation stick out to you at any particular point? I thought just. The, it, it reflected a lot of the same visual spirit of the movie to me. Um, it, it's it's kind of wild and, and you know just goes it just sort of hits you with abandon at, at just the right moments and um, really helped frame the action really well. So props for the music. And it even gets goofy and weird when it wants to because there's a, a scene where after being force fed all the prisoners must poop. Oh, that music! Oh, yeah, the, the, the music. swami music. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the snake taming music they use for these cords that sort of swim up through the ground like snakes to attach to the prisoners' uh, bungholes and drain them. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, 
like I almost feel like they did get a bunch of elementary school boys to like write this. Like I almost feel like they did. Like totally. <laughs> it's 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 too perfect. Although how the baby gets born is my favorite thing on this rewatch now, because <laughs> I, I remembered the baby just sort of birthing itself and just coming out of Pandy's stomach, like sort of uh, you know phasing through her bloated belly. Um, mm. But there is a scene before that where the baby, when uh, Pandy is confronting her sister, like in a in a sword battle, and they're you know nipple to nipple and sword to sword, the baby all of a sudden has the final say, where he like literally reaches his hand through her vagina, holding a Glock, and <laughs> shoots the other sister. Yeah, I'm like that is amazing. Yeah, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty crazy. Like, definitely the most memorable and weird birth of a character I've ever seen in, in anime, ever. Any particular scenes stick out to you? Well, that one. <laughs> um, let me see. What what else? It's such a crazy blur of a, of a movie. You know, like... That's the endorsement right there, folks. I mean, it really is. It, the The end scene with the caterpillar is is neat. You know how we get there makes no sense, but it's neat, like visually, really neat. Um, the opening scene with the 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 car chase and the 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 fighting the the law, uh, you know, <laughs> taking on the law kind of kind of thing. Um, that was amazing. I really really enjoyed that. I probably visually, I think that opening piece was my favorite thing that I saw. In in a show that had a lot of great visuals uh, hmm. and interesting cuts, like I really enjoyed that. I also enjoyed the fact that they're like, "Hey, we woke up and uh, yeah, we don't remember anything. Uh, let's go be criminals." Yes. <laughs> because reasons. Did you notice that the guy they steal the car from comes back at the end? Oh no, I missed that. There's they you know they the the first after their crime spree they go steal a car and they punch this one dude on the left cheek to get him out of the car, and mm. at the very end well where when Pandy and Retro are falling to earth in the the capsules they actually land on top of that guy. Oh, you mean the guy? Oh, okay. No, I do remember. I remember the guy getting like crushed at the very end by the capsule, and that's like literally the last thing you see. But I didn't. Um... I didn't put that together that that was that guy they stole the car from. I didn't either until I was listening to the commentary and they pointed it out. I was just like, oh, my God, that's so cool. I was wondering why they <laughs> focused on that guy in particular because he was obviously, you know, he had that bandage there. And I was just like, okay. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I totally didn't connect the dots. <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> um, no, I, I totally I totally missed that. That's That's very interesting. So beyond all the poop and fart jokes and sex jokes, because they're, you know, Dick Drill is like everybody's favorite character. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, obviously. Well, favorite side character, you know. You know. Uh, but there, there's, I did want to mention before we sign off, um, there's uh, a lot of good comedy in the show, actually, that's linked to the absurd, just because this whole thing is absurd to begin with. But uh, there's shots like where, Pandy is concerned about Retro because he's his his television head had been rendered from his body, which is wholly human. And oh, yeah. as, as it sits there on the floor bleeding out, literally, <laughs> you just focus on Pandy's expression of horror and this television that's slowly leaking red. And, you know, the more you look at a television bleeding red, you're just laughing at it. Because mm -hmm. it's just like it's it's electronics. It's like a static screen that's that's it's got the staticky fuzz noise coming out of it and yeah the white noise with the and then the, and... the the incongruous blood kind of slowly coming out of one side of it yeah and then they switch back and forth between the expression and that depiction and it just it's it's absurdly funny and they do a lot of that kind of stuff all throughout and mm -hmm. it gives it gives it a nice humorous edge but just to let you know they're not taking themselves too seriously not that yeah. you need help. Yeah, yeah. You by that point, you've definitely identified that this is not something you're going to be taking seriously. But um, I will say that if you are curious about this show and and you are this movie and you want to to watch it, it is available on Amazon. The DVD. 
for the steep price of $6.49, and um, apparently they have enough of them to still be selling it. So if you like Redline, if you like Trigger, if you like Gynax, if you like Grin Lagan, go, go, it, it's 50 minutes. Yeah, this is this is definitely a great time capsule kind of show in that to Ink's point, if you if you like the work of Studio Trigger or their work before they left to make Studio Trigger, definitely worth your time to see the visuals and and see what what them still figuring out how to make their kind of stuff looks like. And they were so early on, you know, in that creative process, but so much of what you see in Dead Leaves, you you can directly see in the later products that Trigger has made, and uh, it's it's worth it for that alone, I think. And I mean, if you can get it for less than ten bucks, for crying out loud, I mean, just buy the damn DVD and like spend an hour, see some great cuts. It's uh, it's worth that time at least. Do we want to? We don't really have any. You know, this is funny. We don't really have any Twitter questions. Per se, what one's a very pointed question? One is one is kind of a push poll question. It's from Buddy Cop Doug, and it's why is Dead Leaves so goddamn awful and boring? Or no, god awful. I, I made it even worse. <laughs> why is why is Dead Leaves so god awful and boring despite being nonstop action? I I think my answer for that is, and I don't know, I don't know why he finds it boring, but I'll go back to my earlier answer of it did not work for me. Um, beyond anything other than visual because all of the nonsensical parts that were supposed to be nonsensical were fine, but all of the parts that should have conveyed something in terms of the story and moving the story along uh, and, and, and allowing me to care about these characters somehow, none of that worked. And I don't know if Doug has the same kind of reaction to it that I did, but, you know, that's kind of how i feel about it <laughs> you know except that i wouldn't call it god awful i just would call it kind of just ho-hum mediocre in terms of story but 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 pretty pretty cool visually and i can't actually answer that question because i don't think it's god awful or boring uh at least you know as long as you can immerse yourself in what's going on visually like there, there's nothing there's nothing to stop you or there's nothing that makes you want to look at anything else. Like, there's yeah, a, there's just so much going on. If you look at that clock, you're missing something on the screen. Yeah, like most everybody else that gave us feedback, I will call it. <laughs> it kind of boils down to, oh my god, Dead Leaves is so awful. Yeah, it's not a light. It's not a liked movie, and I don't know why. Well, I guess we hammered out why, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I can't um, help from loving it. The the patches actually uh, came to its defense, uh, and um, I think it's you and I think it's I think it's uh, you and and him, Ink. <laughs> uh, me, me, Evan, and him actually. Evan loves this movie. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I and mean, it's totally an animator showcase. And, it it uh, is. It really is. And what I actually liked about most uh, during the the DVD uh, commentary, Maishi mentioned like he wanted. Uh, he thought that the animators were so important, just as important as like the voice actors and all that. And that should be a big duh. Uh, but he yeah. wanted to make sure every single animator, everyone who contributed key art, uh, was listed in the credits. So when you go through that credit sequence and everyone has those big hand-drawn credit uh, things, nice big bright lettering characters, uh, that's all at the insistence of Ima Ishii, who just really loved everyone who contributed their all to this film. And you know, that's what you see. You go to see this, this, you watch this movie for the animation. Yeah. Oh yeah. The animation in terms of its creativity and the, the dynamism of it, you definitely stands the test of time and, and is a great, I feel like I'm repeating myself now, but it's just, a, it's a great kind of preview of what was to come with trigger. So with that, uh, Jared, where can we find you on the internet? Oh, you can find me on the internet right now, pretty much on Twitter.com uh, at Save versus Jared. I am doing a lot of stuff outside of of anime fandom right now. Um, Wait, there's there's something outside of anime fandom? Uh, you know, that's uh, yeah, yeah. I accidentally took the red pill, and now I'm stuck in the real world too much. 
you can find me there. And um, yeah, Inc., how about you? Uh, you can find me over at fandompost.com where I write or contribute articles to uh, a column known as 10 Years Later. Uh, you can find me in the pages of Otak USA magazine where you can subscribe and then get reviews of all sorts of J-pop stuff just sent to your house uh, so you can read it in your hands as opposed to wear out your eyes staring at a bloody screen all day. Uh, <laughs> you can also find me in the background of Gamers. I produce the three-episode test column, which gives uh, our individual writers a, a chance to give their thoughts on after the first three episodes of each uh, season. And... Oh, on Crunchyroll, you can find a couple pieces uh, by me there. All right. Make sure to listen to the Anagamers podcast proper. That's uh, the soft and spicy boys, Evan Minto and David Estrella. <laughs> I love that that's like their official subtitle now. That's, yeah. that's great. Um, all right. Another O&R in the can uh, for myself, for Ink. Thank you guys so much, and we will see you next time. Later.